0: welcome and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from first presbyterian church of honolulu it's a new year and with this new year we have a new sermon series and a focus for 2023 it's all about prayer and here to kick off the series it's first pres associate pastor tim shaw
1: gracious lord we are standing here in your presence still our hearts and minds that we might hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. My name's Tim Shaw, one of the pastors here on staff at First Press. And I have to admit, I'm pretty excited about today. It's kind of like my friends and I go out, and we're gonna like, jump off a rock or try something new, or we're about to jump into something that's Maybe new for some of you, maybe it's something that's very familiar, but we're beginning this series of messages about prayer. And I just want to invite you to join me and jump off the rock and jump into the water and just see what God's going to do as we put prayer at the center of our lives and our life together as a church. I believe that if we do that, we're going to see God do remarkable things in us and through us. And most importantly, we're going to get to know the God who invites us to pray. I'm going to launch right into the sermon today, so if you are able, would you please stand once again for the reading of God's holy word from Psalm 46, verses 1 to 11. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, as Christian mentioned, uh, today we're launching this eight-week sermon series called Teach Us to Pray. One of the first questions, or one of the questions that Jesus' disciples asked him uh, as they saw him go off to pray was, could you teach us how to do that? Teach us to pray. Before Jesus chose his first disciples, Jesus spent time alone with his heavenly father in prayer. After his friend and cousin John the Baptist was executed by an evil Roman leader by the name of Herod, Jesus went to a solitary place to be alone, to be with his father. He stepped away from his friends and family to pray. And before Jesus was arrested, then unjustly tried and crucified, what did he do? He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he wrestled with his father's will in prayer spending time alone in prayer was at the center of jesus's life prayer was one of his regular practices so let's take a little inventory what about you and me you see you and i are designed i believe to be at times alone with god we need to quiet all the noise in our world all the noise that's in our hearts and minds so that we can listen for and hear God speaking to us. Most of the time, God speaks in a whisper. I frankly wish sometimes he would shout at me. But he usually doesn't. He can shout, but usually he speaks in what the scriptures describe as a still, small voice. The main difficulty I have with hearing God's voice is that I'm not listening. Given what is going on in our world right now, I think this practice of being still and knowing God is more important than it has ever been. I know it is more important now than it has ever been in my life. In the psalm that I just read, the writer describes the world in which he is living in verse 6. He writes, Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. Let's say that's a pretty accurate description of what's going on right now. There's a brutal, unjust war in Ukraine. Inflation, though beginning to moderate, it seems, has raised prices to unsustainable levels here in Hawaii, which is already a very expensive place to live. Our nation continues to be roiled by raucous political arguments by politicians who are unwilling to cross the aisle and work with each other. And if that wasn't enough, what about all the challenges we have in our own lives? The challenges we're facing as individuals or families. There are marriages that are strained, there are family members that are no longer talking with each other, friendships are broken, people are anxiously facing serious health diagnoses for themselves or people that they love. People have lost jobs. They can't afford to pay the bills or feed their families. People are isolated and alone. So nations are in an uproar. People are in an uproar. But did you notice what I heard in the passage when I read it? Yes, nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are falling. And yet the person writing this psalm is not afraid. He's not afraid. Why is that? Why is he not afraid? He writes, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, God lifts his voice, the earth melts. He's not afraid because the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why didn't the writer of the psalm live in anxiety and fear, even when everything seemed to be collapsing around him? There's one very simple explanation. The presence of God in his life, in his community, is what made the difference. He writes, the Lord Almighty is with us. I believe with all my heart that that is true for us today. The Lord Almighty is with us. No matter what you're facing today or what we're facing as a community, as a church, as a nation, or as a world... God has not abandoned us. The Lord Almighty is with us. So why is it, in the middle of all the challenges in our lives, can it sometimes be so hard to see that God is indeed with us? I don't know about you, but I think it has everything to do with our difficulty with being still and knowing that God is God and that he is with us. Towards the end of Psalm 46, the writer makes a statement I want to put at the center of what I want to say today. In verse 10, for the first time in the psalm, God himself speaks, and listen again to what he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Be still and know. And he's not just talking about head knowledge. He's referring to the kind of knowing that comes from personal experience. Be still and know that I am God. One of the goals of this sermon series and the companion prayer course that also starts today is to help us put Jesus back at the center of our lives by putting prayer back at the center of our lives. And one key aspect of prayer is learning to be still and listening for God's voice. We're gonna spend a whole week talking about that in a few weeks. We're gonna talk about contemplative prayer. But silence and solitude is something Jesus practiced. And if he, the incarnate son of God, needed to practice silence and solitude, I guarantee you that you and I should be practicing it as well. You know that I love skiing, that I'm super excited about going skiing here in February. I'm going to meet up with three uh, covenant brothers of mine. We are college roommates together. We're all Presbyterian pastors. We've been meeting together for a really long time. Uh, but we get together and spend a, a long weekend in the mountains. The mountains um, in winter are one of my favorite places to go. I don't get to go to the mountains in winter as often as I used to and would like to because I, I live in the p- middle of the Pacific Ocean uh, and on an island. The truth be told, I try not to brag here, I'm a pretty good skier. I've been skiing since I was in middle school. You see, I've had some amazing days on skis, but I've also had some incredibly embarrassing moments on skis, on ski lifts, and on snow in general. I remember the time when I was leading a ski retreat in the Sierras in California when I was a pastor at First Press Berkeley in the San Francisco Bay Area. I was helping one of the young married couples from Iowa that was in our group, helping them to negotiate the process of boarding the ski lift. It snowed a lot. So there was a ton of snow on the floor of the station where we would board the lift. It was a three-person chair, so perfect. I stepped on first. I turned to encourage my friends to step onto the lift with me and stand next to me and wait for the chairlift to lift us off the station and take us up the mountain. What I didn't realize, because there was so much snow on the floor of the station that my right ski was actually buried under the snow on the floor of the lift station. When the three of us sat down and the lift started to take us up the mountain, the snow on top of my right ski pulled my ski off. When we left, the, left my ski back in the station, I started to think about what it was going to be like to ski on one ski at the top Because you know there's a little hill you have to go down when we get to the top of the lift. As I was thinking about that, I turned to my left to yell down to the lift operator that I'd lost a ski. And as I did, the ski on my left foot made a counterclockwise 90 degree turn to the left. My left ski was now perpendicular to the path of the chairlift. Within seconds, my left ski, hit one of the towers holding up the ski lift, and my left ski came off. I was now heading up the hill with no skis on my feet. Here I was, the local expert, the experienced skier attempting to help my friends from the flatlands of Iowa to have a good experience on the mountain, and I couldn't keep my skis on my feet. When we reached the top of the lift... I had to run down this little hill. <laughs> have ever worn ski boots? How many people have worn ski boots at some point? You know, walking them is like, you become Frankenstein. <laughs> These aren't like running shoes. So I made it down the hill uh, without further humiliation. And we stood there facing the lift for a few minutes as we waited for my skis to appear. I knew they would give my skis to someone who was behind me. Soon a guy came off the ski lift with, his ski, with my skis tucked under his arms, with an expression on his face that said, are you sure you're supposed to be up here? <laughs> the point of all that is just when I think I'm going to have this hero run down the mountain, there have been moments of embarrassment, like the one that I, when I jumped out of the chairlift. This is ridiculous when I sat down in my sister's lap. I would risk the embarrassment of like 50 people rather than sit in my sister's lap uh, riding up the chairlift. Got a lot lot of applause from people as I hit this big snowbank. A lot of sarcastic applause. Um, But I've had embarrassing moments on skis. It's so easy for me to think I can live the life of a hero The one who's going to do the right thing, to be kind and compassionate, when the opportunity to do what is right, what is kind and compassionate, presents itself. People can ski like that awesome skier that I showed you because they put in a lot of time practicing their turns and building their endurance. They spend time in the weight room strengthening their muscles and joints. And and on race day, they are able to perform like that because of the practices they did long before the start of the race. I make the mistake of thinking that I can do what Jesus would do without also investing what is necessary, the time, to do the practices that he did. I recently had an experience that drove that truth home to me once again, that I need to have prayer at the center of my life, Like I said, on most days, I like to think that I will have what it takes to do the right thing, to respond in the way that is kind and considerate and understanding when the opportunity presents itself. My big mistake, though, is thinking that I can be that kind of person and respond to people the way that Jesus would want me to without putting prayer at the center of my life. While I was in California over Christmas, I borrowed a friend's bike to get in some exercise while I was there. One morning, I lost that battle between email and Emmanuel. I had not spent time with Jesus like I wanted to and knew I should. Other seemingly pressing things held my attention. I wasn't in a bad mood when I headed out on my bike, but I don't think I was really spiritually prepared for what happened. Looking back on it, I did not have the spiritual resources I needed when I was confronted by a person who did not like the way I was riding my bike in the lane where she was driving. This all happened in a residential community and not on some crazy busy street in Southern California. I'm super tempted to try to make the case to you that I was obeying all the rules of the road (laughs) except for that rolling stop (laughs) through that stop sign. But this uh, driver was so mad at me that she came roaring up behind me. When she accelerated from the stop sign I had rolled through, her wheels spun out for a second on the wet pavement. Without making eye contact with her, I simply motioned with my left hand to try to encourage her to settle down, take it easy. When she caught up with me, her passenger door window was rolled down, and she was yelling. Here it is. Here's the moment. Will I be that awesome skier, effortless carving turns down the mountain, or will I be the guy who cartwheels his way down the ski slope? Sadly, I have to confess, I became the cartwheeler. She was yelling at me that I needed to obey the rules of the road. I thought I was doing that, for the most part. (laughs) So I thought I might share some advice with her as she drove alongside me so I proposed you need to settle down but she kept yelling so I needed to offer her some additional counsel (laughs) you need to relax she did not seem to appreciate that advice fed up with me she accelerated down the street at more than twice the speed limit and I was left feeling like a jerk because I had been it didn't have to go that way email or Emmanuel, text messages or time with Jesus. I skipped time with God that morning. I know what led up to that less than Christ honoring interaction goes deeper than that. There are issues I need to come face to face come with in my life, but thinking that I could head into my day without spending time with Jesus was certainly a contributing factor. Jesus knew that he could not face the cross without spending time in prayer with his heavenly father. And I have proven that I can't even ride my bike without getting into a testy interaction with a motorist when I don't spend time with God. We are living in challenging times like the ones described in Psalms. We are not, um, and we will not have the resources to be the people we need to be, and want to be, unless we put Jesus at the center of our lives on a regular, consistent basis. And that means we need to put prayer at the center of our lives. We need to be still and know that he is God. So what happens when we make time to be still? Ruth Haley Barton says it best in her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Experiencing God's Transforming Presence. At one point in her life, in a very difficult moment in her life, she was told by her spiritual director Ruth, you are like a jar of water, a jar of river water, all shaken up. What you need to do is sit still long enough that the sediment can settle and the water can become clear. I brought some water, river water. Christian's going to shake it up for us. I'm going to set it here, and we'll just keep an eye on it for a little while and see what happens. Her spiritual director said to her, Ruth, you are like a jar of river water, all shaken up. What you need is to sit still long enough that the sediment can settle and the water can become clear. In her book, Ruth Helle Barton said she realized at the time when she received that advice, she couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be still long enough for anything to settle. Let me read a couple of paragraphs from her book. She says, I had been working at things so hard for so long that such seemingly nonproductive activity as sitting alone in silence and completely outside, was completely outside of my normal categories. But here though my mind had a hard time grasping what this settling would actually be like, the image of the jar of river water captured what I knew to be true about myself. I could not avoid the realization that I was the jar of river water, all shaken up and the sediment that swirled inside the jar was the busyness, the emotions, the thoughts, the inner wrestlings I had not been able to control. It was a moment of self-discovery, which is where all good spiritual journeys begin. The image of the jar of river water helped me identify where I was, but it also captured my longing and desire to go somewhere else, to be still long enough so that the swirling sediment could settle. The water of my soul could become clear, and I could see whatever it was that needed to be seen. Well, that image called to me with the hope of peace, clarity and a deeper level of certainty in God than I had yet known in the, desire, in the desire the image stirred up I recognized an invitation to be still and know beyond my addiction to noise words, people and performance oriented activity, it captured my desire for something more and different, something beyond the head knowledge that no longer sustained my soul Andy Croft, our friend from uh, Soul Survivor in the UK, recently told a story that Andy suggests is probably apocryphal. It's about a farmer who lost his watch in a gigantic stack of hay. Uh, The farmer spent hours searching for his watch but couldn't find it. He finally gave up and went home. And sitting down to dinner with his family, his son asked him, hey dad, what's up? So his dad told him about how he had lost his watch in the haystack and had spent hours trying to find it. So the farmer's son leapt up from the table and said, I can find a dad, and ran out of the house. About 30 minutes later, the boy came back with his dad's watch. His dad was amazed and asked his son, how in the world did you find it? His son, was, his son said it was no problem. I just laid down on the hay until even the sound of my beating heart slowed down. And as I lay on the hay, I began to hear the tick, tick, tick tick of your watch. I just followed the sound and found it. God is with us, and he wants to speak with us. We may think sometimes that he's abandoned us. We may believe that God is not speaking, but could it be that the problem is on our end? I know that's the case with me sometimes. We need to be still and know that he is God. So how do we do that? I think this sermon series and the prayer course that starts today can help us learn how. But really at some point, we have to stop listening to sermons, stop reading books about prayer, stop being in discussions about prayer. We need to stop and be still and listen for God's voice. If we really want Jesus to be at the heart of our lives, we simply need to spend time with him. But here's what's challenging, if I'm honest. So maybe this is true for you. Sometimes we like all the noise, the busyness, the churned up emotions inside, because we don't want to face what is deep down inside us. We want to live a distracted life so we don't have the time or the space to really explore what's going on in us when i why am i arguing with that driver when all i wanted to do was enjoy a bike ride during the break in the rain where's that frustration coming from i don't always want to be still because i'm afraid i might have to face some unpleasant things about myself i'd rather stay busy and distracted when What I really need to do is to be still and let the churning emotional sediment settle so I can begin to see clearly what is really going on. I've had those experiences with God where he meets me in the stillness and puts his finger on a hurt or the guilt or a wound underneath the frustration or the anger or the impatience that I'm feeling and sometimes expressing. God wants to meet me in those places in my life with his compassion, with his love, with his forgiveness, and with his peace. It can be a hard experience to have God put his finger on what's really going on in me. But his touch is the touch of one who knows how to heal what is broken. My friend, Earl Palmer, who was the first senior pastor I worked with at First Press Berkeley, once told what I think is a great story of the time he was stung by a wasp on his tongue. He was barbecuing with his staff at the church in Seattle. He was enjoying a nice cold beverage while he cooked the chicken. He set his drink down on the table and didn't realize that a wasp had climbed inside the bottle. So when he brought it up to take a drink, the wasp stuck, stung his, his tongue. The wasp, wasp stinger was left in the tip of his tongue, and his tongue began to throb and swell. It was super painful, painful and it could have been really dangerous. As Earl told this story, uh, he made the point that there is a big difference between when his staff, who was there, asked him, Hey, let me see that. What's going on? Let me, let me take a look at that. And having the doctor in the emergency room says, let me have a look. The difference is obvious. The doctor knows what needs to be done when she says, let me have a look. In the stillness, sometimes God says to us, let's take a look at what's really going on, Tim. And when he says that, I can trust him because he knows what I need to experience the healing that I need. In a moment of desperation, Ruth Haley Barton decided that she was going to do things differently. A moment of desperation can be an exceptionally valuable moment in our lives. I want to continue to grow in new ways as a follower of Jesus. So that means I have to maybe try something new or bring back practices that may have been a more important part of my life in the past. It is a difficult thing to be still and know God. We are not living our lives on a neutral playing field. There is a spiritual, there is spiritual opposition that is trying to keep us from spending time with God. I agree with Ruth that in those moments when we have tried everything else and those efforts have failed to bring about the change we've longed for And when we have hit a moment of desperation, that can be a gift. A gift from God that can open up a whole new experience with Jesus. Here's what I've also discovered in the stillness. I once again discover how much God loves me. If I give him enough time, he will speak to me about his forgiveness. Even when I've been careless or reckless with my words, he expresses his deep understanding of what I'm going through. He will encourage me to take bold action and will guide me into what he wants me to do. And as he does all that, he is freeing me from the hurts and the brokenness and the underlying sin that can drive my less than helpful behavior. We have an invitation from the God of the universe to meet with him one-on-one Why would we do anything else but make time for him? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Tim, you have no idea what my schedule is like. First of all, I'm not a morning person. And let me tell you uh, what my life is like. How in the world can I add something else to my daily schedule? I've got three kids under six years of age. Where is this stillness you speak of? After all, you get paid to pray and you still find it a challenge. Or you might say, Tim, my job is on the line right now. If I don't throttle it up at work, I may have nothing but time to meet with God. I simply can't add something else to my life right now. I get it. So let me just offer a couple of simple solutions or responses or suggestions. There is an app called Couch to 5K. You can probably figure out what that app is about. If it's your goal to eventually run a 5K race or even a marathon, all you, and all you're doing right now is watching a bunch of other athletes on TV run up and down a soccer pitch, and all you're doing is sitting on the couch, the first thing you need to do is not run a marathon. The first thing you need to do is just get off the couch and walk to the mailbox. And the next day, maybe you walk down the street And maybe the next day, you walk around the block. And before you know it, if you keep that up, you'll run that 5K. So at the beginning of 2023, if you want to put prayer at the center of your life, just start with a few minutes of silence and solitude. Just spend a few minutes in prayer. Pick a place where you can be still with God at some time during your day. There may already be a place and a time at the beginning of your day, at midday, or before you go to sleep, where you could carve out just a little more space for God. Do that for a week. And maybe the next week, set aside a little more time with God. There are tons of resources that we can tell you about that can help all of us do that. The challenge that we set before our church is simply this. If we put prayer at the center of our individual lives and our life together, the promise is that God's kingdom will show up in us and in the world around us. So what's happened with our sediment? It's getting clearer, right? You see my hand through there? When I thought about this, I was thinking, I should get something that just clears up like that. But I kind of like that it doesn't get fully clear clarity is a process and on this side of heaven we see through a a mirror dimly but it can be clearer if we let the sediment in our lives the churning sediment settle do you need clarity in your life right now I know I do practice being still make space for God he is waiting to meet with you and me Being with Jesus is our only hope of becoming like him and doing what he did. So let's spend just a few moments as the worship team comes back up to wait on him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this invitation to spend time with you. What a gracious, patient, loving God that you are. Help us to carve out time to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our God, we thank you for your love and forgiveness, your goodness and grace. We thank you for making it possible for us to be in a relationship with you, Your son took upon himself all the sins of the world, including ours, and died so that we might have life everlasting to be clothed in his righteousness. So thank you, God, for that amazing gift. We love you. If you would like to talk or to pray with someone after the service, members of our prayer team are over in the prayer corner and would be happy to talk and to pray with you. Big thanks to the volunteers once again who uh, come very early to make this all possible and serve throughout the week in the ministries of this church. Remember, if you're signed up for a, a Sunday prayer course small group, or you might even go check out and see if you'd like to join one, you can head over to Fellowship Hall to watch the prayer course video with Pete Gregg, and then we'll break into small groups after the video. If you'd like to sign up for a group during the week, you can go on our website and see the groups that are available. So let me just give you this blessing Now to God who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor both now and forevermore. And God's people said, amen. God bless you. And we'll see you all soon.
0: If Jesus had to, then certainly we need to. Let's emulate Jesus. Be still. Find solace and solitude, and pray. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Press Sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Prez for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Prez. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please read reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First president I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2023 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.